Hello and welcome back to Mental Health Spot. This is Oli speaking. If you are under the age of 18, please consult with your parent, guardian, or a trusted adult before continuing to tune in to my podcast episodes. Oh my God, it has been forever since I've been on here. And I really just want to applaud anybody who has been keeping up with my inconsistency. I pride myself in being very consistent, but it has been hard for me to remain consistent with everything that I have on my plate. Um, So thank you for your patience. And to those of you still tuning in, it means the absolute world to me. I wish there were more words in the English language so that I could convey how much it means to me. So I'm back, and I've been thinking a lot about what do I want to talk about? What is there to address? Um, What are some things that, you know, some topics that need to be hit? Um, And I think there's so much on my mind that I want to touch on and that I want to share. I feel like I need to get organized. Um... But I think one thing that I've been meaning to talk about that is an unbelievably sensitive topic is being a caregiver. So I am my mom's 24-hour caregiver. And if you've been, you know, tuning in and you've been listening and keeping up with the episodes, you'll know that since my father passed away, that job was left to me automatically. Um, it was never up for debate. It was never a situation of, is she going to go with someone else? Is someone else going to help me with this? It was never a question of that. It was just automatically, boom, this is your responsibility now, whether you like it or not. And... It's something that's been on my heart to talk about because it has not been an easy journey for me whatsoever. It has not been an easy journey for her whatsoever. Um, So I wanna make sure I acknowledge that too. Um, It's been hard for both of us. And in a lot of ways, a bonding experience because we both lost the person that we both love the most besides each other. But it's been difficult. It's definitely had its challenges. And I want to I wanna open up about that uh, in case, you know, anyone out there is a caregiver, whether for a grandparent, a parent, an aunt, an uncle, any family member, or any friend that you, you know, are providing this. I hate to use the word service, but it is a service. Um, anyone that you're providing this service to. It's, it's hard. It's hard for everyone involved. And I want to talk about it from my point of view in a little bit more detail. Any minute now, Fernando may come barging in because he's in the shower. So he may come barging in and be like, what are you doing? And I'm going to say, recording a podcast. And he's going to be like, but look at the time. And I'm going to be like, so what? I haven't done this in months. 
So there's going to be a little back and forth. So just be prepared for that. Um, so let's go in order. Why does my mom need a caregiver? My mom needs a caregiver because she has something called degenerative arthritis. It's actually genetic. It runs in our family. I can trace it as far back as my great grandfather. I'm sure even beyond that, but I don't know more about my history than that, unfortunately. So my great grandfather, um, my mom says that she specifically remembers seeing him like as an older person walking like sort of hunched over because he couldn't stand straight anymore. My grandmother, God rest her soul, she was one of my favorite people in the world and my mother and then also my aunt and my uncle, my grandmother's other children and my mother's siblings. They are not nearly in as bad a shape as my mom because they're able to take care of themselves and be fully independent but the arthritis has definitely affected them in different ways um in the case of my mom however over the years she has just declined more and more and more and more um her pain level has been hard to manage she also has diabetic neuropathy So the combination of that and her pain level in her knees, it's both knees, one is worse than the other, her hip, her hip is the worst of all, her spine, it's been hard to manage. And even with like narcotics, like we've we've been like, yo, like give her the good stuff, it's fine. Like, you know, it is what it is, we're desperate, you know? We've tried so many things. We've tried stem cell, um, like a stem cell, I want to say replacement, where like essentially you, um, they get some of your blood, they take it out of you and they put it back in to the areas that hurt. We've tried, you know, um, pain blockers, like via injections with uh, steroids, We've tried um, alleviating her through this uh, minimally invasive um, circulatory, what am I saying? I usually sound a lot better than this when it comes to medical stuff. This minimally invasive circulation uh, procedure where they like relieve some pressure and that way the, her veins and things like that and her circulation and everything just runs better. Um... And if there's more blood going to your joints and to your bones, it should, in theory, help with movement. Um, We've tried everything. Short of surgery, because that has not been done yet. Uh, Major surgery. Um, We've tried physical therapy. A lot of things have been tried, and nothing's really worked. Um, And so there's been a lot of frustration. There's been a lot of, like well, why hasn't anything worked? Like, something's got to give, something's got to work. Like, and there's been like collective frustration, you know, everyone as a family. And then of course, frustration for her. I imagine that nothing's working and nothing's helping. Um, 
So over the years, she's just gotten worse and worse and worse. She's deteriorated. Um, When I first met Fernando and started dating him shortly after, she was mobile. She was still like cooking and making coffee and doing things. And then shortly after, I want to say like two years later, um, things started to decline. Um, my mom was on life support in 2014 for a COPD exacerbation. She quit smoking for a while after that, um, then started doing it again. And then additionally, you know, went, went on to go to the hospital two more times because of COPD exacerbation related to smoking, uh, Finally, time number three, me and my dad were just like, if we got to go through this a fourth time, you're on your own little little mama. Like, we're not doing this anymore. We've asked you, we've pleaded with you, like, to quit smoking. You know, you, you were given the patch at the hospital. Like, we don't have cigarettes in the house for you to... Because there was a time where my dad felt so... Like, he just didn't want to deal with her irritability, which I understand. Because my mom's irritability is next level. Love her to death love her to death but her irritability is next level even when she's like otherwise normal imagine not smoking right so there was a time period where my dad was like i can't deal with this i'm just gonna keep buying her cigarettes and i used to bitch at him and i used to be like let her be irritable let her be angry let her do it i never did it i i have that in my conscience i have never once given the woman a cigarette nope 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 ain't gonna make that meeting So then eventually my dad finally stopped. He put his foot down. He's like, it is what it is. You're going to die. I'm not going to enable you anymore. And then her so-called friend um, would come into the house and give her cigarettes. Mind you, this friend is well aware that this woman has almost died several times. Literally almost died. Like, it's not like a game. She was intubated. She was on life support. Like, we were not sure she was going to make it out of that one. And then additionally two more times that she wasn't on life support, but she was headed there. And you know this and you're still bringing this woman cigarettes insane like I I just I was just flabbergasted so I want to point out that my mom's cigarette smoking has a heavy hand in how her health is today um heavy heavy hands because she suffers from COPD and emphysema and all of these ailments you know COPD, emphysema, diabetes, diabetic neuropathy, iron deficiency, um, hypertension, all of these things in conjunction with the arthritis make it very hard for her to function. And so I'm fully aware of that and I acknowledge that, um, but I recognize my limitations and it hasn't always been easy for me to... deal with her for lack of better terminology and I want to be real with you guys because I think it's important that you guys know that it's hard to be a caretaker and I've had many people close to me friends particularly because family if you're in the Latinx community you know that it is frowned upon to put a relative in a home or an assisted living facility. Like, that's just not the route you take. Um, And 
So I've definitely had friends that have been like, I think this is the best course of action for you and her so that you can resume your life and she can be taken care of around the clock. And I've said, no, 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 no. First of all, I can't afford to put her where she deserves to be. You know, I would want her to be somewhere that is damn near perfect, you know, somewhere where the care is not up for debate. You know, she's getting the best care, the best nurses, you know, the best, the best everything. And unfortunately, I can't afford that. Um, and neither can she. And as much as I'm not a nurse and I know that I get frustrated and I get flustered, she's my mother and I know her and I know her baseline and I know more or less what she's supposed to look like every day. So if something's off, I'm able to sense that and immediately take action and take her to the hospital um, so that she can receive proper intervention. And like, I also feel like I want her to be with her family. You know, I want her to be with her daughter. I want her to be with me. I mean, it's not ideal by any means. And I'm going to go into that a little bit more. Um, And I'm sure once Fernando hears what I'm talking about, he's going to have a lot to say about it. He's officially been living with me since March. um, And he's had to play a role in in this caregiver life that he did not sign up for. I mean, he did because he agreed to be with me and he knew that I wasn't going to leave my mother. So it was either continue to live apart or move in with me and my mom. And part of moving in with me and my mom means helping with her care. I mean, nothing crazy. You know, he makes her sandwiches, he feeds her, he cooks, you know, he'll, he'll get her what she needs, things like that. Like, that's his comfort level and I'm okay with that. You know, um, it's not his mother. He doesn't need to clean her or you know, deal with her bodily fluids in any way. That is not something I at all in any way, shape or form expect from him. And I respect his boundary that he doesn't feel comfortable with that. Um, So that's why my mom needs a caregiver. She's not very mobile, if at all. So to give you some perspective, she sits on a recliner And right next to her, there is a portable toilet. And that is how she uses the bathroom. She, um, she no longer, you know, um, uses the shower. Um, we have someone that comes a couple times a week to give her a bath. It's covered by insurance three times per week. Something like that. Three to four times per week. And, um... she she'll get a shower but in the living room I mean the lady does an amazing job she does a phenomenal job with not having an actual shower but it's to the point where like my mom doesn't walk to the bathroom and I'm sharing this not to shame her not to humiliate her I know my mom would be okay with me sharing this I know my mom would be okay with me sharing our story and sharing it from her perspective too like my mom was a very active woman her entire life way more active than me like my mom was always overweight as am i but my mom was one of those people that's overweight and was not slowed down by it like she was just you know 
out here living her best life, you know, like she was doing everything. She was very, very active. She used to take care of the elderly herself. She used to clean houses. Um, she used to clean my house, you know, I never really had to do, do anything when I would even try. She'd be like, get out of my way. Like I got this basically like, you're not going to do it the way I do it. So let me just, let me just handle it. You know, Latina mom. (laughs) And, um, so I feel for her, someone that was so unbelievably active and did so much to see herself in a position where she can't do these things. It must be like an ongoing grieving period, an ongoing grieving period. And I, I imagine must be very difficult for her. Um, at the same time, I also feel that it's gotten to the point where she's so depressed and she's so checked out that even if there's a little bit of her that could maybe walk a little bit further to the bathroom, she's lost the will to try. And so I, I want to point out that it's not just physical, it's mental. And I'm a therapist and I have to acknowledge it and see it from every angle that, okay, so maybe she could make a little bit of an effort to, in theory, to walk the rest of the way to the bathroom but how's her mental health playing into this? So she tried seeing a therapist once. She did not connect with the therapist. And apparently that's the only therapist that her insurance covers. Um, I'm going to be double checking that because there has to be more. And if not, then we may need to pay out of pocket because I think my mom needs a therapist that she can connect to. And that therapist wasn't it. My mom needs a much more relaxed therapist than the one that we saw. There was nothing wrong with her. She was clearly very educated, very much in her element. But my mom can't have a therapist that's super, like... I'm trying to figure out a really nice way to say this. Like, she basically needs a me that's not me. I'm a very laid-back therapist. Yes, I'm smart, I'm intelligent, I'm educated. But I speak to my clients using real language, you know real terminology i'm not here trying to confuse anybody with big words or or clinical terminology and if i do then i make sure that i follow up immediately with an explanation that is something i'm not to suggest that people are not on my level of intelligence or anything like that but i mean let's be real if you're a therapist you go to school for mental health therapy if you're a nurse you go to school for that if you're a doctor you go to school for that there are certain areas of expertise that you're going to have you're going to have an edge as it relates to that particular area, that that particular topic. And so if somebody is going to ask you a question and you're going to answer it and you're going to give them these big words and this big explanation and you're not going to explain it in a way for them to comprehend and really absorb, then that person's going to be like, you know what, thank you next. So it's, it's like being a teacher, you know. What's the sign of a good teacher? A sign of a good teacher is their ability to reach all of their students or as many of them as possible. And a sign of a good teacher also is their ability to recognize this student and I, I, it's not working. What I'm doing here is not helping the student. You never blame the student. It is never the student's fault. 
If you as a teacher are not teaching that student in a way for that student to comprehend and understand, then that student needs to go to another teacher that does have those skills. And it doesn't mean that the teacher's not a good teacher necessarily. It just might not be the right fit for that particular student. Same as a therapist. I'm sure that I have not been the right fit for every single client I've ever had. I like to think for most because, you know, I have a bias in my own favor. But the point is, we are not going to know how to handle everything. And we're not going to know how to relate to absolutely everyone. We can certainly do our best. And so that was my rant. The point is, my mom didn't vibe with a therapist. The therapist was very, again, educated, very smart. But my mom needs someone a little bit more chill a little bit more relaxed a little bit more like maybe kuwanasa you know what i'm saying someone that like someone that's just like hey mommy what's up why you here girl like so i really feel like my mom would benefit from therapy but my mom had that one experience and she was like i hated it and i don't want to do it again and i'm just like it doesn't work that way like you know how many therapists i've been through like you just gotta find the one you connect with it's, it's literally like dating so she's got her mental health issues at play she's got her physical issues at play it's a lot for her now this is my favorite part where I get to talk about it from my standpoint because everybody likes to talk about themselves it doesn't matter how selfless you are how amazing you are what a great person you are which I do think I am all those things thank you very much (laughs) and modest too clearly um I want to talk about how this has affected me because this is not a joke, okay? Um, Perspective. My father died January 18th, 2021. January 18th, 2021, I became a caregiver the day he died. I was already a caregiver when he was in the hospital for those 10 days prior. But that became my official job. I did not get a break. I did not get time off. Nobody was like, hey, Oli, we understand you just lost your parent and that this is a big responsibility you're taking on. How about you take a week off? How about you take a day? How about you take two? That did not happen. And did I expect that? Did I expect anyone to do that? Um, Kind of, to be honest with you. It would have been nice. Not so much that I expected it, but it would have been nice had someone thought to do that um when I say someone I mean someone in my immediate family uh or or someone in my family of sorts you know certainly don't expect that from friends um or from my fiance um so that didn't happen I I was a caregiver the minute he died I was a caregiver before and so there was no time for me to think about Oh my God, my dad's dead. And I believe it's been a year and a half since my father passed. I believe in large part that I'm still dissociating. I don't think I'm fully here. I don't think I'm fully present. I find myself feeling very much like I'm being punked. This isn't real life. Because there was no opportunity for me to really sit with my feelings about it because I had to immediately transition into this new role. I also went from having a very independent life, being able 
to go out anytime, go visit people anytime, go wherever I wanted, go to work, whatever, to everything completely changing and basically being grateful that I work from home three days a week because I don't know what I would do if I had to have a job where I had to go into the office because I can't afford that level of care for my mom while I'm gone. So I work from home Monday through Wednesday and then Thursdays I work in the office and I have a girl that comes and spends a few hours with my mom. And she's spectacular. Um, And that's it. And then I come home. I don't work Fridays. I keep my Fridays clear for, you know, administrative stuff and any medical appointments that me or my mom may have. So I didn't get a reprieve. I didn't get a break. Um... And my mom, full disclosure, is not the easiest person to take care of. She is not very empathetic. She is not the one that's going to be like, oh my God, thank you. I recognize how much work this is. I know this is a lot. Like, that's not going to be what she says or her acknowledgement. She's more like, I brought you into the world. You owe me. She has that mentality. And what I find funny, rather ironic, is that she used to complain about her best friend's mother, who had this mentality that she shares about, you know, I brought you into the world, so now you gotta take care of me. She used to be like, oh, that's so selfish. I would never do that. And yet, here we are. So, is there a level of resentment involved? And like, a level of me feeling like, yo, I didn't sign up for this. Yeah, there is. And I need to be real with you guys. Because, yes, I know. I know that I know that I know I would do anything for anyone. I know that I'm a great person. I know that I'm selfless. I know that I'm loving. I know that I'm caring. I also know that I'm human and that I get frustrated and that, like, this is a lot of work. You know what I mean? And both things can exist at the same time you can be a good person and also recognize that you don't want to do something and being a caregiver that's God's work and I like to think I'm doing God's work but I I I don't feel like I am because I am perpetually frustrated I'm perpetually overwhelmed I am you know, it's it's a lot. Like, I'm, I'm managing my grief still. I'm dealing with my own mental health issues. I have a full-time job as a therapist. My job is to ensure that my clients are being well taken care of, right? I have notes, paperwork, and administrative stuff to do. I'm trying to start my own private practice in the midst of all of this. Um, I have my own relationship to worry about. A wedding to plan potentially um, and so a lot it's a lot it's a lot it's a lot it's a lot and I'm managing all of this and my mom's care and I'm irritable and I'm depressed and I'm sad and 
I feel overwhelmed and I feel frustrated and I've wanted to run through the streets screaming and it's definitely shown and I like to think that I'm reparative and that I'm able to I've been able to sit with my mom and sort of be like hey listen like I know I've been frustrated like I'm I'm sorry you know I don't I don't want to make you feel bad like I'm I've been able to have those reparative moments with her. I probably need to keep having them. But at the same time, like, she's not very receptive to that either. So it's it's just hard. It's a hard situation, guys. And, like, I don't want to lie, you know? I don't want to make it sound like, oh, I'm a caregiver and I'm, like, the best ever. And, like, I never lose my patience and I'm always, like, in tip-top shape. No, no, no. No, because no, I didn't sign up for this. At the same time, though, I didn't sign up for this. But when you love somebody, you do shit you don't want to do. Let's be real. When you love somebody, and I love my mother, and I love my mother, with her virtues, because of her virtues, despite her faults and her flaws, I love my mother. That is my mother. That is my day one. She has done a lot of great things for me she's done a lot of not so great things but because of the great things that she has done that is why I feel she deserves for me to suck it up and get it together to the best of my ability and so you do things you don't want to do when you love somebody and you weigh out the pros and cons and you think about like so I really want, I can't, I can't picture her sitting somewhere away from her house. I'm brushing my hair, by the way, if you hear that noise. Um, I can't picture her sitting somewhere away from her house, away from her home. Sad, depressed, not getting visitors or, you know, getting visitors once in a while versus being in her home where she knows, you know, everything and she recognizes everything like. It's a decision I've pretty much made. Where she goes, I go. And where I go, she goes. At the same time, I've had very serious conversations with her where I've pretty much been like, if you get any worse than this, we're going to have to have a conversation about more permanent care because I can't lift my mom. She's completely dead weight. You know, me and my fiance, my fiance is six foot, about gonna put his weight out there because he'll probably kill me but whatever about 270 pounds he looks great and between him and I we couldn't lift her because the other day she ended up on the floor thankfully nothing happened she wasn't hurt or anything like that like it was more like a fear like she recognized that she was about to fall and so she attempted to fall safely if that makes sense Versus just like, boom, hit the ground. So she's sitting on the floor and me and my fiance tried to get her up. And we can't. We can't. And I remember when my father was alive, something similar happened. And it took three men. Three men and some kind of like a rope to get her up. Because she's dead weight. It's different. Like, I'm a big ass bitch. But if I fall on the floor, I'm going to help you 
going to help you get me up because I'm not dead weight. I'm mobile. My mother is not mobile. So it makes it very hard to pick her up. And so I pretty much had to have a real conversation with her. And I'm like, this needs to get better because I want you here. I don't want you out there. I want you in your home. Even if you drive me bananas and I want to run through the streets screaming at the top of my lungs, I want you here in your home. And so something's got to get, girl, because I can't lift you. And that's the next step. That's where we're at. That's where we're headed. We're headed to a place where she's going to need to be lifting. She's going to be she's going to need to be lifted. And that's not anything that I can do or that my fiance can do. Or that most people without training can do. You know, remember when you're an older person, any little any wrong move can result in a broken bone and that takes a long time to heal and Shout out to my aunt who's going through it now. Poor thing. She was playing with the kids outside, running around like she's 15 years old. (laughs) Poor thing. And she fell. She flew. And she fell and she broke her arm. And it's been months since the incident and she's still struggling. And mind you, my aunt's an otherwise healthy 60-something-year-old woman. She takes care of herself. She's fit. She's, you know, in great shape. But... Your age catches up to you. And the older you are, the harder it is for you to heal and the easier it is for you to get hurt and for for you to have some kind of permanent damage. And so basically what I do as a caregiver, I cook, I feed my mom. The times that the lady doesn't come to bathe her, I've done it. I haven't haven't had to recently. Um, I change her diaper. I um, take care of her bodily fluids. So if she uses the toilet next to her, that gets cleaned by me. Um, Obviously, I keep her company. I get her whatever she needs. I make sure she takes her medication. And I... um, I check on her, like, I make sure she's good. Like, if she's telling me, hey, I don't feel well, you know, I take her vitals, I take her oxygen, I take her heart rate, I take her blood pressure, I make sure everything is running the way it's supposed to be running, and that's pretty much what I do. It doesn't sound like a lot, and it really isn't a lot, if that's the only thing you have to do. But when you add to that all your other responsibilities... And everything else, like, I'm 35. I'm a very young caregiver. Most people my age are not taking care of their parents. Most people my age are still, you know, dealing with parents that are very much, um, you know, active and have all this quality of life, etc. And there's something to be said about that, too. Like, there's a little part of me that's like, woe is me. Why can't my mom be active, you know? Um, and, and for selfish and unselfish reasons unselfishly because I love my mom and I want to see her happy I want to see her smile and actually feel it I want her to be herself again but at the same time self- selfishly because this is a lot of work and I want homegirl to move y'all know I don't mince words I don't have a filter, so 
Um, I think one of the greatest challenges for me being a caregiver for my mother in particular is our history, which has been very beautiful and also very complex and very difficult. Managing the fact that it's a thankless job. It's a thankless job and the fact that my mom is very, very difficult. My mom would say this to you if she could hear me right now. She acknowledges that she's difficult and it's very hard for her to change the behavior. Um, you know? So I think being a caregiver in general is extremely difficult. Like, shout out to all my caregivers out there. Even if it's the sweetest little, most compliant old lady, if you will. You take my mom with all her sass and she is, she's a lot. We've gotten into it. I've gotten into really dark places. I've been suicidal over it. Um, It's been bad. It's been bad. Um, About a year ago, around this time actually, uh, it got bad. It got really bad. We, um, We got into it. There were words, there were insults thrown. Um, I had a conversation with my family and I sat down with them and I expressed in a very rational way that I was having mental health issues and that, you know, I'm six months into this and that I don't think I can do this alone and I need, you know, more support and what can we do and this and that. And I was met with a lot of resistance I was met with a lot of resistance. I was met with a lot of uh, a lot of words and phrases that unfortunately I'll never forget. Um, because it was during a time that I needed someone to just say, hey, Uli, I know this is a lot. And how can I help? Like, let's put our heads together, girl. Like, let's figure something out. Like, we got this. We got your back. Like, we know this is a lot. But that wasn't what I was told. What I was told was these were the cards you were dealt. You need to just do it. She's your mother. And she lost her husband. Nowhere there was there an acknowledgement, by the way, of, oh, but you lost your father too. She's your mother. She gave birth to you. These were the cards you were dealt. You got to do it. And that's nothing. There was more said. So after that moment, I really, really knew I'm in this alone. Like, I'm flying solo here. Like, this is not... And I want, and I want to say, because I, I don't want to... I don't want to be unfair. You know, family, like, they, they did what they could do. You know, they came by. They... they, they They would visit my mom. They would check in on her whenever they were able to, you know. um, My aunt would occasionally come and, like, help me do the dishes. She would make coffee for my mom. These are things that were extremely helpful. Um, And 
and I just want to clarify, I wasn't bas- I wasn't basically telling them like, hey, I need you guys to be here more because I can't do this anymore. It was more like, can we together come up with a plan so that I don't feel so overwhelmed? Because I'm burnt out. And caregiver burnout is real. And I need help. And I was just, I was met with a lot of resistance. And I want to say, maybe in their minds, they thought they were saying the right things. I have to believe that because these are not bad people. You know what I mean? So maybe there was a disconnect. You know, like there's, like we say in, like we say in Spanish, un cruce de cable, like, like, they were saying one thing, I received it one way, I was saying something, they received it another way, and there was so many heightened emotions in that moment that there was no room for, like, clarification at that point, and I think maybe that should have happened shortly after, but it never did because I was straight up traumatized by the interaction, and, I, like, no joke. Like, to the point where, like, it's been a year and I don't think I could talk about it with them. I'm surprised I'm talking about it on here, to be honest. Um, because it was it was just not a good... And again, I don't want to put them down because I really feel that they were flustered and overwhelmed themselves and probably recognizing, like, crap, like, you know, there's only so much we can do. Like, we can't take this on. You know, and I think they probably felt like that's what I was asking. I'm not sure, because I think I said pretty clearly, like, I'm having mental health issues. Like, I, 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 I in no point was like, can you do this for me? You know what I mean? But maybe in their brain, like, that's how they processed it. I'm not inside their head. But the point is, it was not a good interaction. I did not feel seen and heard. And I'm certain they did not feel seen and heard by me. And so... It was, it was not a good moment, and um, it basically solidified for me, like, I'm flying solo. Like, my family is not the family that you go to with these type of things. They're great. They're the best. They're amazing. They're beautiful. They're resilient. They're strong. They're powerful. Um, I admire and respect them to no end, and if somebody came to me right now and was like, hey... Uh, it's either you or your aunts. It's either you or your uncles. It's either you or your other aunt. It's either you or your cousins, uh, your cousin's children. I would be like, sacrifice me, please. And I say that 100% because I love them to no end and respect them to no end. But I recognize their emotional limitations. And that's my opinion and I get to have it. Just like their opinion, I'm sure, is that, you know... I'm sensitive or I'm I'm emotional, whatever the case may be, they get to have that and I get to feel like when it comes to things that have emotions involved, they're not the ones. Like I could call them right now and be like, yo, uh, my car broke down, like can you drive me to work tomorrow? Thankfully that's not the case, but... If they can drive me to work, they'll drive me to work. Or I could be like, oh my gosh, like, uh, I I just need someone to like come and sit with me and hang out with me for a little while because I'm having a bad day. They'll come and they'll sit with you 
you know, like they'll be there. But don't, there's just certain things that I'm just not going to talk to them about in terms of my emotions. And that moment was like a really big, like, eye-opener. Like, this is just not the kind of relationship you're going to have with them. And you know what? You're going to have another type of relationship with them. And it's going to be a great one. It's going to be a beautiful one. And there's going to be some repair that needs to be done eventually. I don't know when. And, And that's it. You know what I mean? And so you as a human being, you have to recognize who you are and how you are. And I am sensitive. I recognize that. And because of that... I need to speak to people that can speak to me the way that I am going to receive it. And that's everybody. Everybody everybody needs an audience that is going to make them feel heard. And we all gravitate towards specific people that can hear our message the way it's intended to be heard and that can therefore reciprocate and make us feel validated. And a lot of the mentality of my family, and again, they mean well, is someone else always has it worse. Your mother's the one that's sick. Your mother's the one that's in that chair. You're able-bodied. You you know, this is not as hard for you, basically. They've always sort of seen more from her point of view. Which again, like I empathize fully with my mother. But I think you can empathize with both. I think you can recognize that it's difficult for both of us. I think you can make it equal or as close to equal as possible. It's never felt equal to me. Maybe in their minds, it's equal to them. And I validate that. That's not the experiences that I've had. Um, So for me, when it comes to my emotions and my feelings, I got... I got my fabulous lady friends and um, two really close guy friends, my best guy friends. I got my ladies. I got my two guy friends. And that's that. You know, I I chose them in a way I, I made a decision to choose people that can provide me with what I need. And I think that is your right as a human being. I think... You need to know yourself. You need to know what works for you. And you need to know what each person in your life is able to realistically offer you. Everyone's going to offer you something special. Because everyone is special. And everyone is amazing. And everyone is great. Okay? Even the people that are no longer in my life, referring back to previous episode, um, friendship breakups. Great people. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful women just not the people that are going to give me what I need in the moment that I need it. Emotionally. Emotionally. And that's okay. And that's okay. It's okay to recognize that. And it's okay to find people that can do that for you. Maybe I'm not that for them. And that's cool too. You know what I mean? Or maybe I'm that for them, but I'm not something else. You know, one of my friends that I referenced in the previous post would always be like, well, I wish you were more honest. I wish you were more blunt. I wish you didn't sugarcoat things for me so much. Um, because I don't believe you as much as I believe somebody that is going to give it to me straight. And in my head, in my brain, again, it's all a matter of perception. I was giving giving it to her straight. I'm like, yo, but I am being blunt. But for her, I wasn't. I wasn't because I tend to speak very, you know, y'all know me, politically correct. I mean, to me, all of this is like 
I'm on the brinks of not politically correct right now. And it's giving me anxiety. But I'm still going to publish this, though. Because we gangsta today. Um, anyway, what I'm saying is everyone's great. And everyone has something special to offer you. Everyone's love language is different. Okay? Some people are acts of service. Like, some people are going to show up and bring you food. You know, that's something my family would do. They'll bring me food. You know, they'll make sure I'm eating. They'll make sure my mother's eating. Acts of service. Some people are going to give you words of affirmation. Oh my God, girl, you're doing a great job. Like, I'm so proud of you. Like, you got, that's more me. That's how I need to be loved. You know? And so, it all goes back to find people that can love you the way you need to be loved. But also appreciate the other people that love you the way they know how to love. And take that for what it's worth. You know? And... In this journey with my mom, it's been amazing for me to have my friends as my support system because they've been able to really understand and validate my experiences. Um, It's hard. Being a caregiver is no joke. My mom is no joke. I am no joke. When I have to deal with her sometimes. Sometimes I'm great. Sometimes I'm awesome. Sometimes I have all the patience in the world. And then other times I'm just like, no, not today, Satan. Not ever. <laughs> Can't deal with this. Like, like there's literally been times where I've like imagined just running away from home as a whole ass 35 year old woman. So... I don't know how helpful any of this is to any of you out there, but if you are a caregiver and you're feeling bad about yourself and you're feeling like you're not good enough and you're feeling like you're not doing enough and you're beating yourself up, I'm here to tell you, you are more than enough. You're doing the best you can with what you've got. And at the end of the day, whether anyone sees it or not, What you're doing is unbelievably selfless. And it's beautiful. And whether anyone values it, whether anyone verbally appreciates it, whether you're, whether the person that you're caring for appreciates it, it doesn't matter. Because what you're doing is valuable. And being frustrated is part of the package. Being frustrated is valid being frustrated makes sense because it's not an easy job and so i've really had to exercise a lot of self-compassion because i'm very hard on myself and i feel terrible like i cry for days at a time when me and my mom get into it when we have disagreements because i don't want to react that way But then I have to meet myself with self-compassion and be like, Olivia, like, you went straight into this with no break. You're a freaking therapist and an amazing one at that. You're taking care of your clients. You're trying to manage your relationships with other human beings, with your man. You're trying to manage your own grief, your mental health. All while being a caregiver to someone that, although my mom is spectacular and I would do anything for her, It's not an easy person to take care of. And again, 
I go on record with it because I know that it's something she would absolutely say to you right now. If she walked in here right now, which I pray she did, like that would be the best moment of my life because I would love to see that again in my lifetime. Um, I'd be like, mom, are you difficult? And she'd be like, yeah. (laughs) So at the very least, there's some awareness there. I mean, that doesn't necessarily make her very receptive to my feedback nine times out of 10. But I think having some awareness can help matters at different times. And so this is my experience, guys. This is what I've been through. Um, It's been very challenging. There's been moments that have been very hard for me. Um, But I'm here. And it's important to ask for help when you need it from the right people. And to ask for the type of help that you feel the people in your life can provide you with. Because I want to go back because I said, (laughs) I made a comment that I felt like I was flying solo. And I did feel that way for a long time. Um, But, you know, you just learn what everyone can do and what everyone's good at and what everyone's skills are. And you and you and you go with that, you know, Um, I also have been very fortunate to have a teenage girl that takes care of my mom on Thursdays, who's exceptional. And every other weekend, um, I have a lady who takes care of my mom who's exceptional. So having that support has been super important. I encourage you, if you are someone's caregiver, to look into the resources in your area. Try to get as much help as you possibly can. Um, There's always resources for the elderly available. You just got to look really hard. Um, I'm still on a couple of wait lists. But, um, we got this. We have to be kind to ourselves. We have to be kind to ourselves. We have to meet ourselves with compassion. This is not easy. And making ourselves feel bad is not it. It's not it. It's not going to make the situation better for anyone. And you can empathize with the person you're caring for and also recognize that it's not an easy job to do and that you deserve a break take breaks when you can ask for help when you can and remember that you are doing the best you can with the skills you've got and that is absolutely admirable and I'm in this journey with you thank you so much for listening to my experiences and for listening to my story. And I hope that it reaches someone out there and I hope that you're able to to see me as a human being. I'm a person with flaws and faults and limitations like anybody else, but I am forever trying to grow and evolve and blossom and be the most nurturing, gentle version of myself I can possibly be for every single person in my life. And that's all I can do. Until next time.